Hey, Unnecessary Roughness listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Hello, Casey. Hello, Jack. Did you do something different to your hair? I'm wet. Your hair doesn't look wet. It's dried, um, but I got wet for the act. Oh, okay. I don't know. It just looked different. Yep. No, I usually don't douse it in water halfway through the day. Okay. Makes Uh, sense. And it just dried just like that. How are we feeling over there? Good. Good. The comedy of errors hopefully is over. Uh, COVID got me. Um, And he's not joking, folks. He actually got COVID. 2023, Brandon Walker got COVID. My wife has it right now, so it's just all up in my house. Um, sucks, but it is what it is. And now we move forward. Jack, you seem you, – you haven't moved since we started. No, I was just letting you guys talk about COVID and whatnot. You don't want Jack to Jack, start talking about COVID, do I, you? Well, I, Jack doesn't believe in it anymore, so no, no, I, no, no. I understand. I barely did, but uh, the there is an uptick right now. Specific, Everyone was sick last week. And now they're better. Uh, crazy how that works. How's the vibe down there at the office? Uh, interesting, to say the yeah. least. I mean, here's the thing. These are, uh, as someone like yourself, in case you've been here a while and used to come in every day. We all came in a lot every day, even after when Dave wasn't here. It's, it's fascinating who was here all day today and still here right now. Because you remember when we would record. Oh uh, yeah, there's there's people in that office today that haven't seen that uh, that I haven't seen in years. Yeah, Quite literally years. Yeah, there's yeah. there's one guy or yeah, K Marco in there. I was like, oh yeah, what's up? Yeah, no, it's really funny because I'll get comments like, oh, you know, we forgot you existed. It's like, yeah, because I went on maternity leave. I'm like, there are people that weren't on maternity leave that are popping up like crazy. I will say to Jack's point about how people you can tell who was here for a long time and who wasn't. Back in the old office, like you knew who wasn't there every single day. Not because yep. there was a roll call, not because there was you know somebody snitching. It's because we were all on top of each other, and Dave was there from sunup to sundown, and you knew. And then for the last few years, it's not the way that it's been. And I think the people who got hired in that time are in for a very rude awakening, if I had to guess. Yeah, I guess. Well, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Well, my favorite part of the video today was showed everybody getting there was uh, – Katie getting there at 837 and knowing in my mind she's gotten there at 837 every day since she started working there. Like this isn't new for her. It's not new. She actually texted me yesterday morning because it is really nice that Katie gets up so early because I'm always up early now. So I know that I know that she and I can can. Has she ever texted you? Has she ever texted you at 530 in the morning? We were texting this morning at 6 a.m. I we uh, I texted one of our both of them about something that happened at the office yesterday. Not about unnecessary roughness. And they were responding at six in the morning. I woke up at like seven fifteen and saw it and was like, "Oh damn, they're up up." Yeah, well, I mean, I I have a human that makes me 
get up up every single morning but katie was texting me yesterday morning and it was like eight o'clock and she was like oh my god dave is in here thank god i'm already here and then i obviously saw the way the rest of the day went and i was just like holy shit katie is like you know that yesterday she was just like thank god i came in but katie's She's like always here. if katie wasn't here she is literally the face of somebody that's like it wouldn't matter she right. could disappear for three months she's built up that much of a Correct. reputation of like being the goat not to uh glaze too hard as they say as the kids say brandon but uh don't, yeah. say, don't say internet things jack <laughs> <laughs> but yes the inside barstool stuff if you're listening to this podcast and you are like a barstool fan not just a college football fan obviously the last few days everything has changed radically for this company in the last 48 hours not just because dave bought the entire thing back for essentially nothing um but just the vibe is so old school everything is back i mean dave has not owned this company 100 percent in over a decade so if you're involved in the barstool day-to-day drama this is like christmas to you all right we're but not you, no uh, but you know I'm what christmas a, uh, is coming soon college football is about to start baby yep it's it's soon and today we're going to start looking at conferences um well, let's do that right now the kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. And they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. We failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. All right, hello and welcome to Unnecessary Roughness, Barstool's college football podcast. I am Brandon Walker. Casey Smith is with me. Jack is with me. And they're going to tell you about a delicious drink. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Brandon, I have a question for you. I know we're doing previews today. Why did you choose to start with the ACC? Alphabetical order? Of course, alphabetical order. I just chose the ACC because, I, in my mind, the, the order of the conferences is just by the alphabet. I go ACC... Big 12, then Big 10, which that's alphabetically incorrect. Yeah, I was about to say, that's backwards. Um, uh, and, then, and, then, uh, and then you have to – sometimes I, I slip the SEC ahead of the Pac-12 because it's just so much more relevant. So, I don't know. ACC is always the starting point. Who knows what I do after that? Well, I knew that you wouldn't start with the SEC because that would be a Homer thing to do, and we already get accused of that enough. And the Big Ten would kind of be like chalk. I don't know why. I, I didn't think the ACC was going to be first, so I figured you must be alphabetical. Must be. So well, here we are. I I don't know if the Big Ten is going to be chalk this year. I do think the Big Ten. Uh, no, when, I mean when it would be a chalk when, choice. It would be a chalk choice when you're, to go Big Ten. When you're preparing for these uh, conferences and talking about them this season, it does feel like there's a lot set in stone in some conferences. Like in the Big Ten, I do feel like the champion is going to be one of three teams, and in this league, the ACC. I just don't know. A, I can see a world where the champion is not one of two teams. Uh, it's either Clemson or Florida State. I don't even think I don't even know where you would begin to ponder a third team uh, in this league that we're going to talk about today. Before we talk about the ACC, though, I want to talk about a couple other things. Um, Scoop City, I know, feels like Scoop City slowing down a little bit, Jack, because 
after last week and conference realignment really hitting the fan and people finally starting to be like, all right, conference realignment's kind of bullshit. We're ripping apart leagues. We're ripping apart rivalries. And for what? And now this week we had some chatter about um, the ACC talking to Stanford and Cal and Notre Dame standing up and saying, hey, ACC, you should take Stanford and Cal, which the ACC right then should have slapped Notre Dame in the fucking mouth and said, shut the fuck up forever. <laughs> just just shut up. If you're not going to join our league, you can't tell us who to join our league, who can join our league. But anyway, it does seem like now we're in the slowing down period of realignment and shifting back to football, Jack. We'll see. I, I still think, you know, unless – Florida State comes out and says we're staying in the ACC. I don't think we can. It will ever be at bay. You know, it's not like we're we're docking the ships until that happens, because we're yeah. we're a week removed when this comes out, or it will be coming out tonight. But tomorrow will be a week removed from the news that the Florida State is partnering with J.P. Morgan to try to raise the funds to essentially get out of the ACC, their grant of rights and whatnot. We'll see. I do agree with you. I think the overall narrative is that this stinks. It's- I and I my my thing with Florida saying Clemson going to the Big Ten is not that I want it to happen. Right. It's more so. I believe it's written in the stars. Well, you- well, the first la- last week is the first time we saw an active Power Five conference basically ripped apart, ripped from the seams. And the Pac-12 was just ripped asunder, and all the pieces and the bodies are laying all over the place right now. It's as Oregon, Washington head to the Big Ten, and and you've got Washington State and Oregon State trying to pick up the pieces. Then people finally said, "Oh shit, this is this is real deal. We're 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 really starting to lose stuff now." And uh, the ACC's probably next on the chopping block as far as that goes. When they lose Florida State, who's not a founding member, but they are a linchpin of the league. And then, of course, Clemson, who is a founding member. Um, Jack, you've made this point over and over. This Florida State's kind of taking the public heat here, and Clemson's probably going to get out by uh, – they're going to escape by a cloak of night under Florida State's wing when it happens. <laughs> we but, talked yeah, about Casey. that. No, we talked about that in the last episode. <laughs> we we did like a whole – Jack called Florida State the girlfriend and Clemson like the wife, and I said good cop, bad cop, which it, it kind of is. It's like Clemson's like, okay, well, you know, we're going to do what Florida State's going to do. The thing is, is it's – Conference realignment has definitely slowed down as of the last few days. But Florida State came out and said, it's not if we leave, it's when we leave. How the hell can they not leave? Like, you can't, as Brandon, you always say, put the toothpaste back in the tube or whatever. Like, they said they are leaving. It's just a matter of time of when that happens. That could be the only thing I could think of if I'm playing devil's advocate. And everything with Scoop City and whatnot is they're 100% serious. But maybe it's a negotiation tactic with the ACC to restructure the grant of rights. But do you think Florida State and Clemson are going to be like, oh, Stanford and Cal are coming. That's fine. Yeah, that like, saves that, that, everything. That, then I'm like, you know what? We're, we're good. Yeah. Well, and the same thing that everybody's saying is just the irony of – a Pacific Coast, two Pacific to- Coast teams coming to the Atlantic that Coast Conference. That's I know, the dumbest but it's idea just, ever. But it's real. It, the fact that, and I mean, Brandon, you and I have both said it, Jack said it, it's like we're ready for football to actually be talked about. I think that we hit a point with conference well, realignment where it's just like, holy shit, what's going on? Can, can I just call out a guy who just acted like he's got this all of a sudden moral compass over the last couple of days? Greg Sankey the other day came out and basically <laughs> – 
was uh, was passing around a bucket for the Pac-12 saying, you know, now conference alignment hasn't gone too far. We're, we've ripped some things apart and stuff like that. And basically lamenting the fact that uh, conference realignment has maybe swallowed the Pac-12. And he's he's acting like somehow he and the SEC are above that. Y- you guys, the SEC walked right into the Big 12 last year and took their two breadwinners. Just just walked into the Big 12 and took their two breadwinners and said, come over here, let's make a bunch of money. Didn't give a shit about the sanctity of the Big 12 Mm-mm. or all of that. Just went and got them. So don't sit here and say, well, you know, it's really a shame that Big Ten went and poached the Pac-12 like that. You fucking did it first. You went and did it. Like, and this is a this is a game you started. They without that domino, that the who the knows? Pac-12 doesn't get taken like it at all. Because also, I wanted to ask you this: you uh, Casey wrote a great blog about the Johnny Manziel doc. Do you think conference realignment would have been this prominent if Johnny never existed? Because what? Texas A&M, you know how we were talking about, we were joking around, oh, yeah. Texas A&M, yeah. Maroon College Football. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if it was you, Noah, <laughs> who it was, but the, the Longhorn Network clip without the context really fucked me up, guys. So thank and, you for that. But, <laughs> but I just want to say, I thought if, if, let's say Johnny Football did not, let's just say Texas A&M was another Missouri would, do you think it still would have been as – the SEC would still be as big. That's not the question. But do you think conference realignment would have changed? I guess I've never put those two things together. I mean, watching that documentary, which I do – Yeah, but, but, but hold on. Time, 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 time. They were they – were, they moved before Johnny was even a thing. No, I know. But if you look at conference realignment, if Texas A&M wasn't as big of a winner in Texas uh, conference realignment, I don't think Texas would have ever considered going to the SEC. They saw that their little brother was getting more money than them, and they were like, "What the fuck?" I'm but saying, I think that happens with or I think that happens with or without Johnny, though. Yeah. I'm okay. Th- that's that's the question I was asking. I may not have phrased it properly. No. So I think no. that the the thing that Johnny did, and that you very you know people saw in the documentary, if you didn't already know, and I have some beef with it being untold, but that's a whole different conversation for later. But the that. A&M's immediate success and to look back and say, okay, they lost to Florida because Cliff Kingsbury didn't give Johnny free reign to beat Johnny. But then by the end of the season, you look, if they would have beaten Florida, they could have potentially been, you know, I mean, obviously in the SEC title. I think the success in the SEC immediately is wildly different, but I think that's only for A&M. I think that's that's more of a conversation just for A&M, not for yeah, all conversations. I was just thinking about that last night. But A&M moving to the SEC for the reasons that A&M moved, just like the reasons Missouri moved, that changed everything because it did take other schools to look and be like, oh my God, like A&M was middle of the road in the Big 12. They weren't winning shit in the Big 12 since 1998, and they were able to go make millions and millions of dollars more and to have the visibility and play the Alabamas of the world every single year that changed everything for sure. I'm ready for the uh, swamp, the the swamp documentary. I, mean, I haven't watched the Johnny documentary yet. I'm going to watch it, but I'm ready for the Florida Gators, Urban Meyer. I, I'm ready for that one. I'm a little concerned. We're almost so excited that we'll come away from it thinking, "Man, we didn't really learn anything." The Johnny did have yeah. some good bit tidbits. See the and I, I wrote Brandon. I don't anticipate that you read my blog because you're just you know not a not a great reader of my blogs. I don't read. I don't, I don't read. I don't think even. Let's be honest. He's not reading anything. But I, I wrote he like a whole. Should put some tits in it. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I did. What? I did. Were there? What'd you say? Tits. I did. I put the girl, the Scooby Doo girl. 
Um, I didn't do a recap of the documentary in the blog. So if people are listening like, oh, we don't need another recap blog. I absolutely did not do that because nobody wants to go read that. But I went and took it from my perspective of what I got out of that. It was the this documentary. It should have been multiple parts. I think the biggest complaint that I've seen is that it spent too much time on his A&M time and not as much time on what happened after the NFL crashed and burned. But there were yeah. so many, as college football fans, there was so much in it about the way the NCAA was working, about how he was sidestepping the NCAA with his sidekick. Man, I got I got it. Did you know the truth to this, what I'm about to say? I remember, I remember back then – hearing the rumor that the reason he's got so much money is he's he's from a Texas oil family and they're just they, they just got money he's a spoiled rich kid that's just something they made up to cover up the money he was getting okay so in the documentary uncle Nate his name is Nate Fitch in real life which I don't know if I was supposed to dock him or not dox him or not but I did um no I think they actually say it but so there's a, there's a middle ground of that story in the documentary they make it seem like Johnny came from no money whatsoever and that they made up this story to make it seem like he had money at all there is oil money in that family. Like, if you Google it, you can look at that. But what they did was they took it and said, he has fuck you oil money mm. so that nobody would question the private planes and the cars and all of that. So there's a whole story in there, not to spoil too much, but where Johnny calls his grandfather and says, hey, can I give you this cash? You write me a check so I can put it in the bank to make it look like you gave it to me because his grandfather does actually have some type of money. Now, the type of money that they pretended like he had it was a complete lie, and it's an all-time lie, by the way, because huh. until now, most people believed that he had so much money that a private plane wouldn't even be a drop in the bucket to his family. That part was not true. I believed it until legitimately most, most it did. came on the documentary. But there still is some money there. It's not like he was broke, dirt poor. Like They do have yeah, oil no. I mean, t- in Texas, but there is definitely yeah. an element of shock there. All right. Y'all want to talk about the ACC today as we dive into conferences? Yes. And you know what, Brandon? I said this last episode. It's so hard for me, and I, I'm really happy that it's happening because it means the season's actually coming. But with all the conference realignment, it's almost hard right now to rewire my brain and our brain and be like, okay, this is the current ACC. This one will be easier, but like when we get right. to the Big 12, Big 10, SEC, that's going to be hard. All right. So. I have prepared a little segment. It's almost a speed dating segment where oh. I'm just going to give you the profile of all these teams uh, up and up and down, one through 14. And I'm just going to see how it goes, just to familiarize everybody with the teams that we're going to be talking about. And then we'll go through and we'll award who we think is going to win the championship, coach of the year, upset of the year, player of the year, stuff like that. Um, but we start, and you guys can weigh in on these teams whenever you'd like. Okay. Uh, we start with – the University of Virginia, and Virginia is a tragic case right now because obviously their season ended in tragedy last year, and there's no laughing matter. Now, as we begin a new season, this might be this might be the worst team in Power Five football. This is not a good football team this year. Uh, transfer losses have killed this team. Their quarterback is gone. Their best DB is gone to Florida State. Their best linebacker is gone to Iowa. The offense was terrible last year. The defense was okay. Um, but this year, um, you got Keaton Thompson back at receiver. Their schedule is hard. They got Tennessee at Maryland. Uh, they start the season with Tennessee at Maryland and JMU. I, I don't think it's crazy to say they might win one, two, three. They might not win a game. Like, this is a bad, bad, bad football team. I, and, yep. Yeah, Jack? I think they may not be as that bad. They don't play Florida State or Clemson. 
So that is a – when you talk about this conference and you talk about the teams that aren't Florida State or Clemson, you have to then identify, do they play Florida State or Clemson? Do they play both? Do they play neither? Because those are big advantages in this league this year. Last year, Duke went 9-4. and four. They played neither. Um, so that's where Virginia is right now. But, again, they, they Brendan Armstrong is now at NC State. You've got a couple of guys trying to be the quarterback there, but I just – I just don't see it. Their offense was so bad. Do y'all remember last year? I think it was in November. Y'all remember the game where they trailed 14 to nothing after two offensive plays? Where they got the ball first. They got the ball first. They threw a pick six. Kickoff, pick six. They were down 14 nothing after two offensive plays. I feel like that was at it the was gambling Syracuse. cave because I remember No, it was against Malisac Syracuse, being... right? Was it I don't know who it was. I think it was. Maybe it was against Syracuse. But it was immediate. I remember them missing a – they somehow came back in that game and then they missed a field goal, went off the post. But maybe there's a different game because they had such a sad season. I feel like and that, that was – And then obviously I was saying that before. The tragedy. The tragedy. Just from the perspective of outside of what happened before the tragedy and whatnot, they, they were one of the biggest disappointments in college football last year. It was, you know, from a, a gambling cave perspective, it was like just pile on Malisac at all times because it was just such an ugly thing. Well, going into last year, offensively, they looked fine with the quarterback who had been a Heisman candidate, and then they just couldn't score. They were one of the worst offenses in the country. So I'm pulling a Katie right now and just reading all the preview magazines, and I actually wrote how funny I thought it was. So this one I have in my hand is Lindy's, and they do like the conference picks, and they obviously have Virginia at 14. But for every every team, they do good news, bad news, our call. For every other team, there's like legitimate things in all of those categories. For yeah. Virginia, their our call is just pessimism is warranted. That's the only thing they could come up with for Virginia. I mean, it's for bad. Uh, it's almost like because of the tragedy. The last year was the first year of Elliott as a coach. Because of the tragedy, now they're going to be really bad this year. Like you almost think a hard reset is in order for that program. Like that, he this coach might not ever get out of the blocks. He might need to be fired and replaced, and they just start all over and just do a hard reset. They, it's it's not good. Their quarterback's name's great, though. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Are you talking about um, Wolfolk or the other? Uh, I don't even know. Not Wolfolk. Tony Musket. Musket. Musket? <laughs> Tony Musket. <laughs> so they're turning to possibly a three-year starter from Monmouth. Yep. Which, which uh, tells you. No disrespect to Monmouth. Um, oh, pl- no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll just go on record. Plenty of disrespect to Monmouth. <laughs> if you're turning – if you're in the ACC – and your plan is to get Monmouth starting quarterback to turn around, I'm just not sure that's a strong plan. An experienced Virgin- veteran locked into a battle with inexperienced but versatile Jay Wolfolk. And then- Virginia Tech. The state of Virginia's Power 5 teams are in bad shape right now. The best team in Virginia legitimately might be, what, JMU? Liberty? ODU? Like, it's, it's not Virginia. It's not Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech uh, – you talk about a bad offense. They were a hundredth or worse in every single offensive statistic last year. Um, just a, a bad team. Now they went out and got some transfers. 
Uh, they got an ODU transfer, Ollie Jennings, a receiver, Jalen Lane, a receiver for MTSU. They got some guys. They got Grant Wells or Drones there at quarterback, a transfer from Baylor. Uh, and their schedule, they start with ODU, Purdue, at Rutgers, and at Marshall. If they go one and three or worse, it's a disaster. It is an absolute disaster. And Virginia Tech could be really, really, really shitty and bad again. Again, like ODU could beat them. At Rutgers is not going to be a walk in the park for them. They could start 4-0 and and be right back on the on the come up. Or they start 1-3 and or 0-4 oh and or 2-2, and, and, two and it's bad. I mean, Marshall you, beat Notre Dame last year. Look, so at their, look at their schedule, Brandon. How many games would you say they'll be favored in this year? <sighs> two, maybe three at the most? Yes, I think it that's the best way it to go. Many. I think maybe, maybe Wake Forest at home you get them favored. The first game of the season, Old Dominion, which they lost last year. They'll be favored in that one, but man – Brent Pry is a defensive guy. He's a defensive guy, but that offense was was it was beyond the worst in Power Five football last year. It was wretched. And they're they're returning like a decent amount on defense. They brought in two transfers, um, three returners on defense. But it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. And talk about a team we mentioned them when we were talking about the ACC Mm -hmm. about a team that's really kind of lost because you could see. Let's say the ACC really has like kind of a Pac-12 moment, which I don't think they will, but kind of similar. Virginia Tech may be someone left at the table just because these past, ever since Beamer left, it hasn't been great. Yeah, Brandon, I'll be interested in your take in this, and then we can obviously move on because we spend so much time. But I said, now, they've not been successful on the field, but their culture and like the vibe around, especially when they were playing well, I think Virginia Tech would eventually be a good fit in the SEC if the SEC ever expands. Like I don't think that Virginia Tech would not be a good fit. Well, here's what they're looking for. They're looking for their Kansas State moment. And meaning Kansas State and Virginia Tech are very similar in that for much of the history of college football, they weren't great. But then they found magic with a coach. Um, Virginia Tech found it with Frank Beamer. Um, Kansas State found it with Bill Snyder. Well, Bill Snyder, the end came and they kind of – they found another coach. Kleiman now has them winning the Big 12. They has them winning conference titles, has them doing the same things that Bill Snyder did. They found the next guy after Snyder to continue what the come-up that they had had. Virginia Tech hasn't found it. There, there's been no success outside of Shane Beamer. Um, the last guy, Fuente, was an abject failure, just terrible from Memphis. Brent Pry, through a year and a half, hasn't really done anything. They don't recruit Virginia well. Virginia is a loaded-ass state. I believe I saw that out of the four or five stars over the last three years, Virginia Tech has gotten less than five percent of those guys from the state of Virginia. You, you can't, you can't and win. DC's like that. right there, and I don't think they're recruiting DC or Baltimore well either. Uh, well, Baltimore's yeah. in Virginia, right? No, Maryland. What am I saying? Um, <laughs> but Brandon, who, so who do you think will be worse, Virginia or Virginia Tech? I think Virginia will be worse because I think okay. it, <laughs> They're both really, really, really bad. Yeah, I, um, it stinks. But Virginia Tech it, at least has some shining spots on the defense. I feel like Virginia, it's hard to kind of pick out what's a good thing right now. Yeah, it's depressing, though, to be a football fan in the state of Virginia right now. Uh, Georgia Tech, uh-huh. the question here is, was the turnaround real? Last year they went 4-4 four and four after <coughs> they went to the interim coach, who's now the head coach. They beat Pitt, they beat UNC, they beat Duke last year. Like They had some decent wins. Uh, their entire offensive line is back. They got all five of those guys back. They got some SEC transfers at receiver. The defense wasn't bad. It, it improved 50 spots from the year before to last year. 
Uh, they've got an all-ACC safety. They've got transfers out the wazoo. Wide receiver, quarterback, defensive back, all from A&M. All for, Casey, yeah. Casey oh in this conference, mm-hmm. you're going to learn mm-hmm. almost every team has a transfer from A&M. It's crazy. <laughs> it, they're, they're, every team, Miami, Duke, it's, this team. It's not going <laughs> to shock me whatsoever, Brandon. So Obviously, Haynes King is, is – Haynes King is the quarterback transfer mm-hmm. here. He'll he'll uh, compete for the starting job. Uh, they start with Louisville. They play Ole Miss at Wake Forest. They play Clemson and Georgia in November. Like the schedule's pretty tough for an ACC team. I don't know how good Georgia Tech's going to be. It's the first year of a new head coach. I do wonder if they're going to get to the end of this year and say to themselves, "Man, we really should have hired Willie Fritz when we had the chance," instead of rolling the dice with uh, with Brent Key. All right, Boston College. Their question mark, was it Phil Jerkovich's fault? Uh, and I think they're going to learn it was not. They had the worst offensive line in America last year. It was absolutely terrible. They couldn't run. They averaged 2.1 yards a carry last season. And Jerkovich was sacked 28, uh, 24 times in eight games before he finally got knocked out. They've got some guys back from injury. Mahogany is back. He, he was an all-ACC guy that got his, tore his ACL last year. Uh, they brought in some transfers at offensive uh, line. They got wide receiver transfers. Their entire defense looks a little bit better. Their front seven is back. Their all their linebackers are back. But the secondary is brand new. Um, they start with Northern Illinois, Holy Cross, at Army, and UConn. So they almost have to start four and zero before they get into the the ACC. No, um, UConn's later in the year. Is UConn later? Maybe I wrote that. I didn't write that in, it's, in, in it's, order. But UConn's on November like third or October twenty eighth. Excuse me. I just, maybe I just wrote their their out of conference all together at the same time. Um, but Boston College, I don't think is going to be a great team. UConn is October twenty eighth. Yes, they just have to make a little bit a uh, little bit of a dent into what they were. So Syracuse, they started six and zero, then they finished one and five. Garrett Schrader is back. Ronde Gadsden is back. Probably going to throw more under this new offensive coordinator. <coughs> their offensive, their defensive coordinator. You know what it is, Jack? You know who their defensive coordinator is Syracuse's. Yep, Rocky Long, seventy five years old. Um, the the father of the three three five defense. He's back. I thought he's were, really seventy five. Yeah, I thought they you got were, two court. I thought you were going to yes. tell me it was Paul Pascaloni. He, they they brought the they brought the hero back. No, it's two. They they've got two new coordinators. The defense wasn't bad. Schedule's manageable. Should be two and zero headed to Purdue and Army. <coughs> I get Clemson at home. I might be dying. Please don't die. Please don't. Die. All right, we'll go quickly through the rest. Wake Forest, of course, uh, has to make do without Sam Hartman this year. Got a guy named Mitch Griffiths. Uh, this team is one of those teams that gets decimated by the transfer portal every year. It's the smallest D1 university in America, and they just do not have the funds to keep their good players. And it sucks for them, but this is this is one of those teams that's going to get picked over by the big guys every single year. Both their lines, offensive line, defensive line, basically gone. That could be bad. Could one be bad of for the, Wake Forest. One of the interesting- but they're well coached. One of the interesting teams, like their offense, really has no transfers. Their defense has two. Um, yeah, there's they're just the face of. Uh, they didn't even try to replenish, and their returning production is one sixteenth out of one hundred thirty-two or thirty-four now in uh, FBS. All right, the Duke Blue Devils last year's darling. They went nine and four, but had a very easy schedule. This year, Riley Leonard. By the way. I don't think people that <laughs> I'm gonna die. My my I I, I can't talk. <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm not die. laughing that you're gonna die. I'm laughing that we we got to take a break for like two seconds and you're still about to die. Drink some water. The their lo- offense. The water didn't help. What? Go. Their offense is loaded in terms of returning production. I mean, 
Riley Leonard ran for 700 yards, 13 touchdowns. Riley Leonard is what people think KJ Jefferson is. Also, I think this is dual threat. Like he's a really good dual threat. Also, I mean, like you know who would love him right now? Anybody? No, Alabama. I mean, he's from Alabama. Like, imagine yeah. if you put Riley Leonard on the team. I mean, Jordan Waters are running back. Jalen Calhoun, Jordan Moore. Like this team is loaded. They brought in guys on the offensive line and the transfer portal. Returning production fifth. Well, that's that's the thing that that with people are talking about. Oh, their schedule was so easy, and like, can Mike Elko repeat this year? Go look what they were doing in the transfer portal over the off season. I feel well, like. Sorry, go ahead. Elko Elko improved them so much last year. Their D improved fifty spots. Uh, they did lose their defensive coordinator, but he brought in a guy from A and M that was on his staff out there. So you just assume it's going to continue getting better. They got transfers all over, like you said. They got <coughs> they've got. A defensive tackle there, all ACC guy Dwayne Carter is as good as anybody. But they got transfers on the defense from A and M, from Miami. Uh, the schedule though is tough. It's 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 not easy. It is it is. In, in fact, if you wanted to say last year's was easy, like this one is that much tougher. They play Clemson, Florida State, and Notre Dame. Like the the all three national title contenders. Then you've got Louisville at Louisville at North Carolina. And their home games, NC State, Pitt, Wake Forest, like they have, this is a tough, tough, tough schedule. They also have a road game, uh, out of conference road game. At the toughest place to play in the country. Yep, at UConn. I this would this is one of the, that's going to be a huge game. It's the basketball rivalry. I can't wait for that game, uh, September twenty third at UConn. If you're not going to the NC State and Duke games, and you are in the state of Connecticut, I hate you. Anyways, that's enough on Duke. NC State, um, you know, they're they're having to make do without their quarterback who's gone to Kentucky. Uh, but they brought in Brennan Armstrong. But not only brought in Brennan Armstrong, brought the offensive coordinator who from Wisconsin who was with him uh, two years ago at Virginia. Um, the offense is being rebuilt. You, you got to think they're going to throw it a lot more like they did at Virginia a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> they got road games that are very, very manageable at UConn, at Virginia, at Virginia Tech, at Wake Forest, at Duke. Like, they could win all those games, and then they get their toughest games, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, Louisville, Notre Dame, all at home. So, NC State, who's also very well coached with Dave Doran, I know they're kind of rebuilding their offense right now without the quarterback, and they're rebuilding their receiver room as well. Thayer Thomas is gone. Everybody's gone. Um, so, they're rebuilding a little bit, but their schedule is very friendly if they can rebuild quickly. And if Brendan Armstrong can recapture the magic with his offensive coordinator. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you anticipate, like, if you had to guess right now, do you see a Brendan Armstrong type of situation like Michael Penix? I know it's a completely different situation with a different conferences, but, like, he reunites with his offensive coordinator and is able to kind of resurrect the talent that was kind of wasted the year before? I think he'll be a lot better than he was at Virginia. Um, I, I, I do think what they were trying to do last year at Virginia was a square peg in a round hole. And it didn't work. So I think he'll be better, but his surrounding talent won't be as good as his receivers were a couple of years ago. So and we'll see. That the, the the defense, I didn't really even realize it, over the past two years have been has been dominant. And they don't return a lot on defense. NC State's been really fucking good and we haven't last year injuries got them and their quarterback got hurt and it kind of ruined their season, but they were a loaded roster. And Peyton Wilson, linebacker, all ACC, Aiden White cornerback all ACC I mean these are these are really good this is a team that you know I know we'll get to our predictions and whatnot but you never know yeah Louisville is is transfer you this year this is a team that 
if you saw them last year, just forget everything you saw. There's nothing that they're going to do last year that is going to be relevant to this year. The coaches knew Brom coming in from Purdue. He went out and got Jack Plummer, who played for him there. They don't have to play Clemson. They don't have to play Florida State. They don't have to play North Carolina. They miss everybody. They have the easiest possible <coughs> ACC schedule. They open with Georgia Tech. They got Murray State, Indiana, BC. Like they're going to start four and zero. They got loaded wide receiver room with transfers. Just every transfer, every receiver is a transfer. They're all good. They got transfers all across the defense. This could be the team that goes from being okay and their defense was great last year to being really good, and their schedule is very, very friendly. They could win ten games it's and not, not be very good. It's not just very friendly. It is a third easiest power is third easiest schedule in all Power Five. And for and all this is another team that has an A and M DB transfer. It's it's they're everywhere. everywhere. They're everywhere. I think that Louisville is going to be the team this year that when we look at Jeff Brom, and I understand he's not a first year head coach at all, but this being a first year at Louisville, we're going to look at him the way we have the last few years at different schools like Sonny Dykes at TCU. They're not going to make the national championship in my opinion, but the way that he's going to take this team from what they've been to the next level, I could see us sitting here at the end of the year being like Jeff Brom is one of the coaches of the year because of. Not just the way their schedule lays out, just like the elite talent they have, bringing in the quarterback, and just the fact that Louisville, like when when the prediction started coming out that they were so high, you know, highly hyped and ranked and all that, I was like, what? It's like, no, Jeff Brom has an opportunity to really resurrect this program. That's all right. Devil's advocate. Why? I, I get we're in the transfer portal season or era. New head coaches, they can refurbish a roster. Why is it all of a sudden become that people just assume that all the pieces transfers from across the country are going to fit so quickly? Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Well, that is the that is the danger um, that you get with, with, with the transfer portal. But it's a, it's a necessary evil when you're trying to revamp a program that, that hasn't been very good. Although Louisville hasn't been bad. Um, but... Transfer new players and new coaches are always hope. A new coach mm-hmm. is always hope. Mm-hmm. Your first year of a coach, you've always got that new coach shine and that new coach smile. Now you can do it with the entire roster. Now you can have that feeling of having a new coach and and having a new strength coach. And oh my God, they're they're doing things you never would have thought they'd ever done at practice. And uh, they're unlocking talents we've never had before. <laughs> and you can have that throughout the entire roster and not just that new head coach shine. And I think Louisville is probably the most revamped roster maybe in the country as far as the transfer portal goes outside of Colorado, who, you know, we still don't even know who else is going to be playing for Colorado well, this year. And not only is a new coach always a great piece to have a hope in, it's also now new coaches can have success immediately because of the transfer portal. And not to say that there haven't been new head coaches that haven't had success, but you used to have to be like, well, let him get all of his guys on the roster. Let all those recruiting classes like really get on yeah. campus and see what he can build. Now they can come in and immediately have guys that they would have recruited it, on campus altogether. It, it, well, it fit, we don't know, but they don't have to wait to cycle out the guys that the old coaching staff had. It makes excuses that Oklahoma fans and other fans have for their coach uh, look really stupid. When you have to, when you say, well, he's only been here a year. It was only one year. What did you think he was going to turn the whole thing around? Uh, yeah, because 
Lincoln Riley did it at USC. He went and got the transfers and did it. Um, you know, the the national championship loser last year was a guy that was the first year on a five and seven program. So it can be done. All right, quickly, let me get through these last couple teams. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all right now, for all the shame that me and Jack get for sucking down the Texas Kool Aid every year, <laughs> I'm going to suck down the Miami Kool Aid again. I'm I'm no, I'm I'm ready. Not. I'm ready. No, my body's healed. I'm ready. You, I'm, I'm, with him. No, no, no. I know that. I, but after I'm the pain ready to tell you. Listen, him through, Miami's going to be good. Miami's going to be good. They got two new coordinators. I think he had bad coordinators last year. Uh, the guy that's now at Alabama, I think he's just slumped over on the donkey at the end of the trail. He's finished. Josh Gaddis was a joke at offensive coordinator. Two new coordinators. They're going to be better off at coaching. You know, Lance, Lance Gidry had one of the best uh, non-Power 5 defenses in the country last year. Marshall, now he's here. I just really think Tyler Van Dyke's going to bounce back. The running, backs look, the, the running back room looks good. The receiver room looks good. They have a most – I think it's the most important game in the country for a team for two teams that aren't in the top ten, but it's Miami and Texas A and M week two. I think that's just such a gigantic game that you can't even understate it because the winner of that game goes forward so much and the loser falls back so much. Um, if they beat A and M September 9th, they're going to be five and zero headed to a, a slate that has North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, NC State. Like they could be five and zero heading into that slate. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to save my um, thoughts on Miami for our predictions. No, I love Miami this year. I think they may have the most talented defense in America. I think they look fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to give my predictions away, but Miami's going to come up again. I mean, yeah, they, I was you, gonna, Miami's coming up for me as you well. You brought up, you brought up. They do have like that North Carolina game is going to be tough away, but Florida State is away as well, and then Clemson I think's at home. That will be big. It's also they have seven uh, new assistants on staff, and they have a double coordinator switch. So it's not just the players that are all turned over; it's it's the coaching staff too, which is insane. But I think that's a good turnover for them because I think they really hired bad coordinators last year. Um, Pitt very quickly they got Jerkovich there. The D is solid every single year. Jerk is healthy, and he's got his old offensive coordinator as well, who was the offensive coordinator at BC. We'll see how Pitt does. They're a very um, you can count on a Narduzzi team to be – they're probably the most physical and toughest team year to year in the ACC, so you're going to have that. Can they get quarterback play? North Carolina, their offense is going to score a lot of points. Can the D do anything? And I mean anything to help that offense. They open with South Carolina. That's another huge swing game for both programs. Whoever wins that is going to be on the highest high. Whoever loses it is on the lowest low. Uh, they also play App State. Uh, they got Miami uh, – or they got App State, Minnesota – uh, and non-conference, it's a uh, it's a weird spot for North Carolina because they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and they've got the expectations of scoring a lot of points. But can their defense just kind of help out? That's the question, right, Katie? Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm keeping my expectations low. I also get that vibe. Um, it's the the defense. We said this two years ago. Well, can't get any worse. Yeah, it got worse. So. <laughs> We have to do the D-line, the offensive line. I, I know you guys gave me shit for uh, Drake May being the most disrespected player, but I think the goal is to keep the offensive off, offense off the field long enough to stay healthy because we have a great linebacker. It's just where's the hope, but we need to see it before we believe it. And like the South Carolina game is going to be very close, and we're already favored, which I don't like at all. And it's crazy how like the, the defense was so bad last year, but still had two all-ACC. Yeah, Cedric uh, Gray and – Someone. Cedric Gray and um, Miles Murphy. But didn't didn't you but, guys sign a pretty good class on defense? Uh, but you look we've, at this team, man. We're 30th this year. Like, I feel like, teams. I mean, 
if you look at returning production, third in the country. I mean, I we lost Phil Longo to Wisconsin. That Enjoy does matter. Having yeah. no red zone offense. I think they'll yeah, and that defensive right. coordinator. And the two teams so. I haven't mentioned. The two teams I haven't mentioned are two national title contenders, Clemson, who I think um, you know obviously they're loaded with potential. Shipley's back. You've got uh, Cade Klubnick now is the guy. He doesn't have to. We don't have to have any message board battles about Klubnick or the old guy. It's his, and we'll see uh, what what that means. And then Florida State, who's simply walking into the season with the most hype and the most loaded roster they've had in over a decade. And that's that's pretty much the truth there. I mean, Florida State's loaded at almost every position. Oh, they've and not just loaded with good players, but I'm talking about just straight out dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, their wide receiver position is stacked. Their running back position is stacked. Quarterback that got the best one in in forever. Uh, Jared Verse is one of the best defensive players in America. This is a loaded team, and if they don't go ten and two or eleven and one and and be in that playoff mix, it's it it, it would be a surprise to me because I think they're very very good. All right, um, y'all want to do the predictions? Yes, Katie. Yeah, one thing I forgot about UNC. Do you see what happened with Tez Walker? Yeah, yeah, where um, – so the NCAA, who is in its dying days, who the NCAA is on their deathbed, and they just like to raise up every now and then just to point out how big of dicks they can be. <laughs> um, and Walker is a, a – it's Tez Walker, right? Yeah, he's basically – he's supposed to be he's, our wide receiver number one. He's a Kent State transfer. Yeah, he's, he's North Carolina's wide receiver one. He's transferred twice. Uh, now, me- meanwhile, you're going to be able to watch JT Daniels play at his ninth team in five years uh, this this year. Miami you're going to see these quarterbacks. Player. You're going to be seeing these quarterbacks who've played for nine different teams, and all of a sudden, this guy can't play because he transferred twice, and you're not supposed to be able to do that. It's just ridiculous. He NCAA also, needs to just die. Die he, at the first school, NC Central. He didn't play. He never saw the field. Uh, season was canceled because of COVID. He has only played at one school. Well, and the COVID year also was supposed to be a wash for every single player, anyways. Yeah, and there's very like documented proof. He is coming back to North Carolina. His grandmother's sick. It's not a JT Daniels situation. I know we already mentioned a little bit of the Johnny documentary, but boy, did it remind me just how much of just clowns they were in that situation. They nothing better than I, I shouldn't laugh at this, but the transfer to get your eligibility. Well, I came to the school. My grandmother is sick. Like that's the, <laughs> yeah. the that is a NCAA like uh, like grandma. Just like you get get a cough. Okay, hey, I you need, got I need four grandparents. Yeah, four transfers. Yep. All right, here we go. Uh, here are our topics. Uh, best team, or uh, who's going to be the champion of this league? Who's going to play for the championship? Who's the surprise team? Uh, who's the player of the year? Who's the most disappointing team? Who's the coach of the year? What's the upset of the year? And I'm going to add, who's the worst team? Okay? Okay. So, everybody, who is the worst team in the ACC? I'll go first. It's Virginia. They're bad. I'll go um, second. Oh, you're going to keep going. I, I don't think you can go wrong, Virginia or Virginia Tech, but I'm going to go with Virginia. It's 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 not it's just not good. Casey, who are you going to go with? Also Virginia for all the reasons mentioned earlier, and I just think that if you're trying to be right on this graphic, which we are because we'll talk about it in December, I don't think voting for Virginia is going to make you wrong. Jack? I think it's a combination. I'm just going to go with Boston College out of spite. <laughs> um, I'll do that. A yeah, Just out of spite. Pick. I think they're they're in that – that dungeon, I think there's four teams down there. The Virginias, Georgia Tech, yeah. and Boston College. And I think Boston College is going to come out of there as the word. I can't wait to beat them again. And You're right. I want to say, say this. 
I want to say this about this league. There's certain leagues in this country this year, like the bottom of the SEC is going to be Vanderbilt. They're not that bad. The bottom of the uh, the bottom of the Pac-12, I don't think is going to be that bad this year. The bottom of the ACC, the last four teams are fucking it's garbage. Bad. I know. I, I think mean, they are bad. There's think, three yep. levels of teams I think in the ACC. It's you have Clemson, Florida State. Then you have the mid-ground, like the UNC Miami, maybe Louisville, and then yeah. maybe Pitt, everybody else. You really think Vanderbilt would like do well, like do better than those four teams? I think Vanderbilt. I do. I, I think Vanderbilt's in that basement. Me too. I think they. But they they're, would, they're, they're they're toughened by iron. Like they've seen a thing or two. But like, at what point do we just say, like that's not enough? I I'm gonna you know I, I mean? I'm there, Jack. I th- I, I think understand they would be they the worst team the in the ACC, ACC. Really? but I think they yes. would be worst in that Virginia. basement. Yeah, yeah, significantly. I I don't think so. I don't think it'd be like I, a I blowout. Mean, I don't know. Doesn't if Vandy play? Bad, but. I think Vandy plays Wake Forest this year. I don't know who Vandy plays this year. Um, Vandy does play Wake Forest, and Wake Forest is going to be a significant favorite, I believe. All right. Uh, has anybody has everybody said their worst team? Um, I think it's a toss-up between Virginia and Virginia Tech. I also, like, a, a sneaky worst team. I think Georgia Tech has the potential to be there. But my official pick is Virginia, but... Do, uh, yeah, we, for official graphic pick, it is... Virginia. Virginia. But okay. I think it, it could be a three-cycle between Virginia's and Georgia Tech. I like the way that Jack said it. There's a basement, and there's four teams in yeah, it. Yeah, dungeon. Dungeon. You said dungeon. Excuse me. The ACC dungeon. I like it. That I could think- be a good graphic. Like, one, you know, ESPN Friday night... <laughs> And you got two bad announcers on the call, and welcome to the ACC dungeon. Where did Syracuse? Two teams enter. One's gonna I, Syracuse ain't terrible. Syracuse, I think, is in that it's not. They'll be bad in the ACC, but they're not the dungeon. Like they'll 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 handle those teams. They're, they're not in my, god awful. They're, they're in not my just everybody like, else category. Syracuse is a solidly mediocre team. Yes, hundred percent agree. That's they're, the best way to say it. They're you, mid. Yeah, they they might have some really bad moments, but you're not gonna look at them and just be like, "Good lord, they shouldn't be playing football right now." All right, um, I guess who's the most disappointing team of 2023? Casey, you can go first. Oh, Katie, raise your hand. Go ahead, Katie. Katie, I've never seen Katie raise her hand like that. That means it's time for her to go. I said it a little earlier, the Louisville thing. Maybe this is me like, just assuming that all the pieces are going to fit so quickly. People are questioning LSU's secondary because it's all uh, transfers versus Florida State. People are picking them strictly because of that. I nothing against Louisville. It is any program with a full turnover that's just their top returning receiver has thirty one catches. Next one has seven. It is really Yeah, but they went and got guys. They got a Get, ton of guys. I, I was gonna finish with saying they are rebuilding. It's a lot of pieces, it's a lot of different backgrounds coming together. So I well, like watch them start out under five hundred, second half of the season, figure it out. I'm just interested to see. I don't think it's gonna fit well quickly. I will go. I am sorry for this. Katie, you probably will agree with me. I love what's going on at North Carolina offensively. I think Mac Brown is a great coach. I even said that I truly believe that we're disrespecting Drake May sometimes because we don't talk about him near as much. Now, I understand he's projected very highly to be a great quarterback. However, I think that as good as he is and as good as this offense is, I think this defense is so bad, and I have no faith that it's going to take a true – step forward 
to match the offense, which to me is going to be disappointing. Because if you have one of the best quarterbacks in the country and you have somebody who's very high in the Heisman odds and you have a coach who has won it before despite it not being there and you have all these pieces offensively and your defense just cannot get the job done, that is disappointing. And if North Carolina could just take even, I'm not saying a gigantic step, Reasonable. but even mediocre, middle of the pack, would of be a de- nice. to, uh, to play defense, then I believe that they would have a, a really good season. I don't necessarily know if that's true, but if you have uh, just to, Say it again and put a cap on it. If you have one of the best quarterbacks in the country and you are not competing for your conference title because your defense is so bad, that's disappointing. Yeah. Um, also, what do you think a, the win, the total would be for USC versus UNC? Because I think that would be like 150 points. Because we're, we're the less glamorous USC with that. in that we have the offense, yeah, zero defense. Crazy. I think it would just be the App State-UNC game 2.0. Tons of points. The High Noon El Prez Pack is here, featuring my top four High Noon Vodka Celta flavors. These flavors include passion fruit, pineapple, pear, and all new flavor, tangerine, all made with real vodka, real juice. This 12-pack is only here for a limited time, so get it while you can. Just look for the pack with my face on it. You can even scan the QR code in the pack and have me virtually join your party. Visit HighNoonSpirits.com to find the El Prez Pack nearest you. All right, Jack, who's the most disappointing team? None. I think everyone's going to do just uh, like, what? I think this. Well, that, what a weird no. answer that is. <laughs> None. Not BC even? Well, I just said they're the worst. You think everybody's going to play to their Yes. Potential? What about Wake Forest? That was my second Wake guess. Forest is going to be bad, or bad but like, they're, that won't be disappointing. Be like, I look at this conference. I, I'm just looking at it right now. It's a disappointing conference. I think Miami's going to take that step up. Even if they go 8-4, that's not disappointing. Pittsburgh. All right. That's surprising, okay. I think, for me. So, none. Well, I'll just say um, I think it's going to be Duke. Uh, and, and I think the coach is good. I think the talent's good. <laughs> um, but the switch from missing Clemson and Florida State to then playing them and then adding Notre Dame, like their schedule is, is very, very difficult. And they went 9-4 and four last year. I don't think they're getting close to 9-4 and four this year. I think they're going to struggle to like a 6-6 six and six season. Uh, and it's a team that's basically right on the outside of the top 25 this year. That's going to be a very disappointing season. Um, a lot of what Jack's saying is right is, you know, you can't really change the stripes on any of these teams. There, there's bad teams that are going to be bad. There's mid teams that are going to be mid. And there's good teams that are going to be good. So Here, it's hard to see a lot of uh, – but I do see Duke. They're not going to live up to their expectations because of that schedule. This is one of those questions that we talk about with Alabama, Ohio State, now Georgia, Michigan, whoever it may be. I think if you're a Clemson fan and you're telling the truth, if you do not make the college football playoff this year, it is disappointing because they made six straight consecutive college football playoffs. They haven't been back in two years even if they win 10 games again, if you don't make the college football playoff three years in a row as a Clemson fan, I do believe that's disappointing. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but that's where I think you can look at it as from a Clemson standpoint and say, okay, winning 10 games is all fine and good, but that's not good enough here. That's not good enough under Dabo. That could be a disappointing right. season for them. Who's the surprise team? I'll go first. I'll go second. It's the U. I, <laughs> I the have U. them too. I like the I'll U. Switch, I, was, I think the, I'll switch my pick. I think they're going to be very good. Um, last year was a disaster, and everything that could have went wrong went wrong. I think the coaches do good to have that happen twice. 
I got Miami. I have Miami as well. All the things that you mentioned earlier and just now, I also think that we, when we talk about Miami's downfall last year, there were so many injuries, and you can't always blame injuries. You can't always say, well, if all these guys wouldn't have gotten hurt, we don't know what would have happened. That is a massive part of what happened in that with that team last year, and I think that it's going to take what happened last year and say, all right, that was just a, a really perfect storm of shit. Like, there were just so many things that went wrong. I do not believe that this team is not talented. I believe Tyler Van Dyke is still a very talented quarterback. Just everything that could possibly have gone wrong last year went wrong. Now I'm not near as high on them as I was last year, not just because it bit me in the ass, because I still look at what else is happening in the ACC as higher, but I do think they're also going to be the surprise team because they're just going to be like, oh, well, 2022 was just a disaster and we're moving on. Jack? You're not going to like my answer, but Clemson is going to be the surprise team of the 2023 season. I think they're going to be... Jack, do you get the assignment here? No, no, no. I, I agree with them at this. What? Okay. Who, no, no, the school who's concept. put Clemson in the playoff? Find somebody. Yeah. You think, they've got, you think they'll be in it? I think they have more than everybody's talking about Florida State. Florida State this, Florida State that. Florida State's back. Clemson's losing. Dabo's losing it. Oh, new quarterback. Da, 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 da. I don't feel like I'm, I'm hearing people talk about Clemson. They're, this team is very good. They return a lot. And, I mean, I think they're going to be very, very good. Like, in a way that's almost – that's going to scare a lot of teams. Like, if they don't go 12-0 and 0, – 13 and 0. I'm going to be really surprised. Well, that's also a question that's a bigger picture question. You know, we talk about has Georgia taken over Alabama's dynasty and what's Alabama going to do? Like if Clemson does not make it to the college football playoff this year, it is a very fair question to say is Dabo Sweeney's playoff era over because it would be 3 years in a row, which is crazy because the fact they were in six consecutive playoffs tells you how good that team was, but if they miss it 3 years in a row, I do think that you have to look at it and say, okay, Dabo, They're like, what's going, going on? To, though. They're, if they make it again, I feel like it's like, okay, a couple down years. Nick Saban's had a couple down years. That's fine. But if they don't make it again, I think we got to start adding them into the, the dynasty question of just like, all right, their playoff eras are over. All right, who plays in the championship game in the ACC? Um, I want to say my school. Did you not say Miami? Why? No, I said I, I, I had a – You said uh, Miami. No, I said I'm switching my pick. Um, you talked over. I was going to do my – I had slashes to have outliers. I'm going to do NC State because I think that the Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I combination could actually really work. Their defense is going to work year in, year out. Just like if it clicks, it has great potential, I think, to be very dangerous in the ACC. All right. Um, so who plays in the title game? The two teams that play in the title game. And now they have ditched the uh, divisional God. structure. So it is one versus two, which means – Florida State and Clemson play in the regular season, but they can rematch. And I'm just going to spoiler alert: that's exactly what's going to happen. Spoiler I think Florida alert. State plays Clemson in in the the ACC championship game. I guess North Carolina could catch a flyer. Miami could catch a flyer, but I think Florida State and Clemson are head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, if we were still in a world where divisions were happening, I would say North Carolina, Florida State, but. We're not. That's the one versus, you know, one through 14 battle, which I love. I'm so happy they got rid of divisions. I'm going to agree with you, Brandon. I think it's going to be Clemson, Florida State. Where could you see Florida State slipping up? Well, their schedule's not easy, right? Yeah. So here's the thing with Florida State. You can talk about them winning the ACC or doing this and being in the playoff. 
they also could be out of playoff contention by the what week four? Well, yeah, because they, they play, play LSU week one. They open with LSU. If they open zero and one, they have a road game at Clemson in a couple of weeks. Their season could be done uh, as far as playoff goes uh, very very early. But if they split Florida, if they split LSU Clemson, and they're one and one there, and they're going to play Clemson again later, uh, that could potentially turn the ACC title game into a playoff itself. Yep. Um, I think Florida. Listen, Florida State schedule is not that easy. I mean, they they could slip up a couple times. Yeah. No. I mean, I even think that they played Florida very close last year. And that. Yeah. In that Pitt game, late uh, late in the season at Pitt, November, it's going to be cold there. Yeah. That could be a tough game. And then, like Katie there's said, there's a lot of there's a lot of trap doors on that schedule for Florida State. Pitt, a lot of them. Pitt always, I think, ruins someone's ear. A Pitt Louisville type middle yeah. of the pack Miami. They're gonna fuck someone up down the road. Not only winning for themselves, like they're like South Carolina last year, Tennessee. So, Jack, do you want to put anybody other than Florida State, my, Florida State, Clemson in this title game? No, because I even think let's say they go zero and two in those big games in September. I think there's a huge chance that they go, they sw- they run the table and even find a way to beat Clemson. I'm high on yeah. Clemson, obviously. I'm gonna pick them to win the conference, but that, that sounded out of the. Like let's say they had two really close games, uh, and lose them, but then they go eleven and two, beat Florida State in the ACC championship, that or beat Clemson in the ACC championship. That would yeah. not shock me at all. Well, and just like last that year, scenario. when we when we looked at the Florida State LSU game and we made such a big deal about it, and that's fine. It's week one. We're going to overreact to it, but we know that that's not. I mean, at the by middle of the season, nobody was looking at at Florida State and LSU the same way we did in week one. So I think e- they can't get killed. But even if they well, lose think, to LSU, I don't. Think I it's think it matters a, a lot. I think it matters a lot more this year because they're both uh, top ten teams. Yes. Uh, last year you had Brian Kelly and he was a new guy, and then you had Florida State. They were trying to put it together the pieces. Uh, but this year they're both national title contenders. The winner of that game is going to just springboard into the rest of their schedule. The loser is going to be fighting from behind. But, but it won't make that big of a difference <laughs> because it's a top ten game. It'd be a huge difference, I think. When, when, whenever somebody says uh, this is not that big of a deal, I think that game is so gigantic. No, it's so not, gigantic. I, it's, but I'm talking about if they go into the ACC, so say they lose to LSU by a touchdown, and then they go through the ACC and they yeah, beat they Clemson. Can fight. Right. So that that but, to me, that's why I'm saying that even if they, I'm not going to walk back how good I think Florida State's going to be if they lose to LSU because that means they're losing to a top ten team in the SEC. The game itself yeah. is absolutely massive, and especially from the playoff contention race, but in their conference. It doesn't change my mind one way or the other if they lose to LSU. Um, all right. So, I, I think it's Florida State-Miami – or Florida State-Clemson across the board. Um, Katie, you too? Yep. So, uh, who's the coach of the year in this conference? Do you, you want to go first? you want me to go first? Do you want to I, – I, I think there's two, and I'm going to oh. say Mario Cristobal. Because um, even though Dabo, if he wins it or if Norvell wins it, I think – you know, a nine and three season for Miami or ten and two season for Miami really signals that they're on the way back. So I would go Mario Cristobal here. I'm going to say Mike Norvell because I, I mean, spoiler, we've already. I, I think they're going to win the conference. You know, he's he's been there for three years. He has around like a 500 record, um, which you know is fine. They're going to win the conference this year, and to me, that means coach of the year. Jack, I'm going to go with Dabo. I think it's he's going to have a special year. Um, if Katie? not, they're going to run it back oh, with sorry. Elko. Katie? I don't think they're going to do um, it, it, It's Mike Norvell by by default. I don't love it, but I think it's probably him if it works out. Uh, all right. Who is the player of the year in the Atlantic Coast Conference? 
I mean, I'm just I'm just playing all the hits over here. I know. And Katie was was first on Florida State last year. I know. I start. I, I think it's gonna be Jordan Travis. We've talked about it on this podcast plenty. His numbers are absolutely insane. And when you look at not just him coming back, but their whole offensive core is coming back. They had one of the highest scoring. I mean, I think it was the highest scoring offense in the ACC last year. They just put up numbers. He's going to continue to put up numbers. He's going to stay healthy. I think you have to give it to him. Yeah, I got Jordan Travis as well. Although, if Clemson is to win it, Cade Klubnick has to be that guy, and he he would be the, 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 the heir to this throne as far as this season goes. Although, do we – Jack, <coughs> there's a guy, Will Shipley at, uh, at Clemson. We talk about a bunch of running backs year in, year out, and he's like really good, and nobody talks about him. Am I? And I'm guilty of that. Is he better than I think he is? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's like a poor man's Christian McCaffrey. I know that's kind of putting him in a box because he's just another uh, versatile white running back. I think he's really, really good. I would say he's probably the best running back in the ACC. Um, I think there's a chance, but I, for the player of the year, I wrote I wrote down Cade because I mean, he's. Look at what he's walking into. He's walking into a, a year where he kind of had a little bit of a test drive last year, and he has two wide receivers back. He has Will Shipley back, um, and obviously he's bringing Garrett Riley. I think that he has a chance to have a massive, massive, massive year, and really we'll see it early, especially that, that game on, what is it, September 23rd? Yeah. I mean, the first game of the year isn't easy either. It's away at Duke. I'm not saying that. Duke's going to win that, but we'll see how he looks on that. That's a standalone Monday night game, I think. Yeah. So that will be – is that the in Atlanta, ATL? I no. Think it's at no, Duke. I think it's at Duke. It's at Duke. That will be fun. You know, um, it's going to be an interesting game. Duke doesn't have a great stadium, but I bet the, they'll sell it out. At least Clemson fans will come and sell yep. it out. Um, but Cade, Cade's my pick, and I'm really excited to watch him play this year. You know, I mean, this is one of those situations where we could potentially look back and say – well, Garrett Riley got a head coaching job really, really quickly because if he did what he did last year with a quarterback and then he goes to Clemson and does the same thing that he did with Max Duggan with Cade Klubnick, who did get a test run in the Orange Bowl, played like shit, whatever. But if he does the same thing that he did at TCU at Clemson again with an offense that does need to be revamped and has not found its power since Trevor Lawrence left, that guy's getting a head coaching job in a hurry. Right? I mean, he, he wouldn't he be no, the no, next? No, no, no. If Clemson does what they can do this year, Garrett Riley, without a doubt, will be getting calls. Maybe yes. he'll maybe he'll kind of wait, and he doesn't like any of the openings, but without a doubt, he'd be topped. He may win the um, uh, Assistant of the Year award. Yeah. The Broyles award. If, right? if he goes back-to-back years and, and create, especially if somehow Cade, you know, does, they, they win the ACC and he sneaks into, like, the Heisman race and he's in 100%, 100%. New York, I mean, Garrett Riley is getting a million calls. All right. Uh, it feels like I know how this is going to go, but who's going to be the champ of the ACC? I think we got three Florida States and a Clemson. Is that right? My ACC player is Drake May. Also. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm excuse me. I did that again. That's twice. Okay. I like well, that you're high. On, that you're that you're high on your. What guy. a quarterback conference. Oh no, it's great. I also realized through this, I think I know we said that the the theme of the year was quarterbacks. For I think for me personally, it's which Drake May's exception, it's OC and quarterback combinations. Mm. Like the, the Brennan Armstrong, Robert and I, it's Garrett Riley with Cade Klubnick, it's Purdue. Um, it's Mordecai with uh, Phil, Longo. Phil Longo. It's a lot it's, of people reuniting. Like, can Michael Penix redo it? It's, I think it's just quarterbacks being reunited with OCs. For me, somehow, it's just fascinating to see, like, is it a one-off? Is it lightning in the bottle? 
or yeah. is it actually like these guys Tommy get each Reese other so well? Tommy Reese Tyler and Buckner, Buckner it, down in Alabama. It's not reuniting. It's well, kind of, I guess. It would be it really interesting yeah. to see, like, if you actually took, like, the percentages of that working out versus not working out. Yeah. I know that there's a bunch of different things you'd have to put into that. But it would be interesting to see if how many times that elevates a quarterback's play to a certain level. But And at the same time, on the flip side of that, there's a lot of quarterbacks who are taking the field for the first time without their offensive coordinator mm-hmm. they've had. Like, K.J. Jefferson taking the field with Dan Enos instead of Kendall Bryles. Will Rogers taking the field without Mike Leach. Like, we're going to see how much they can continue without the coordinator to help them. Drake come May what they did. without so the, Longo. There's the ACC. Um, Florida State for me, Florida State for Casey, Florida State sounds like for uh, Katie, and then Jack, you're, you're going to go with Clemson, right? Clemson, yep, all the way. I'm so um, high on them. We're too, too many of us. First on time State. since 2000. <laughs> so, first time since 2017, Clemson is not the, not the lone favorite in the ACC. So, so what is that? Seven years? First time they're not the lone favorite what, in the ACC. What an interesting time. Yeah, I I keep thinking about and it's, as we do these conferences, and I know there's some recency bias here, but, man, what an interesting season ahead. There's so many questions, uh, yeah. it's not just in the ACC, but throughout the throughout the major conferences because it's like, man, what 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 is, what is college football going to look like in two months? Not even just yeah. the conference realignment. I mean, like, Who's going to be the star? Well, we know Caleb Williams will be around, but who's Alabama's quarterback? Are they good? Georgia, yeah. does Carson Beck take the reins? Clemson, Florida State, Duke, I mean, Miami, yeah. are they back? Going yeah. back to the the Lindy's Magazine, because I, I agree, like, we just don't know. I love that they do the big ones in the conference, like, the, all the games, and they map out, like, the entire schedule of what they think the big games are. And it's like, if you look down to, like, November 11th, like, Duke at North Carolina, Miami at Florida State, those are big games right now because of what we're projecting. Those games could not mean shit by the time we get there. And that's what's so interesting every year to look at the schedule that far ahead. Yeah, for merch right now, like, we're they're trying to plan three mm-hmm. to four weeks out for wins i mean that's which which is great it's awesome but it was like just heads up we could get two weeks out and the design has to be scrapped when certain team opens up two and two and their fan base is an uprising yeah it's, so much is going to change so quickly all right uh i guess next time we'll do another conference probably the big 10, big 10 um, okay. or the big 12 who knows who knows oh, one of those one gonna, of the big teams you're gonna fire it off you we'll, know. we'll let them know yeah we'll we'll let them we'll know when we talk out. about it yeah it's gonna be one of four because we, we already crossed off one. And, and I can tell you it won't be the SEC because Brandon will save the SEC for last is my assumption. Eh, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> the Pac-12 is going to be so awkward. To, uh, That's what I'm saying. But it's sad. It's such an interesting conference. RIP. Also, I'm just happy to be talking football. I want me to. I'm not yeah. done we talking policy. I right? love conference realignment talk. I'm ex- I'm, I'm well, obsessed with it. Okay, so I did this on the last episode. What's the update on Scoop City? What, what's your where's your prediction right now? My source hasn't reached out in a little bit. Damn. I, I they like, said to expect by Wednesday. It is All right. I like realignment. Y'all keep talking, but I'm ready to go. Okay. <laughs> I like realignment, but I feel so behind the eight ball. No, like I see what you're saying. Camp. Like this, like I have. Right, to if y'all want to talk, y'all can talk. I'm gonna leave. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Bye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. See ya. That was unnecessary roughness.